turn with me to Mark 4, 39 and 40. It's a very familiar story. I uh, won't dwell on it as much as the story would allow, but there's a certain point that I just want to take out of this. So if you would, if you don't have your Bibles, just look over at the person next to you and tell them I'm going to share this word with you. All right, but you got to do it with a smile on your face. Right? Can't take nobody Bible from them with a frown. All right. So we have Mark 4, 39 and 40. And it reads like this. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And when the wind ceased, there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And if we would just want to encourage somebody, give somebody some boldness, but we just have to remind ourselves with the thought, don't you know who I am? The definition of the word no, to perceive or understand as fact or truth, to apprehend clearly and with certainty, to have established or fixed in the mind or memory, to be acquainted with a thing, place, person, thought, as by sight, experience, or report. To understand from experience or attainment, to be able to distinguish as one from another, to have knowledge or clear and certain perception as a fact or truth, to be cognizant or aware as of some fact, circumstance, or occurrence, have information as about something. The disciples had been with Jesus long enough to know that he was who he claimed to be. By this time, from the reading that we just gave, they had seen him perform many miracles for others to know that he has the power to do just what he said he can do. At this point, the disciples had enough examples to prove that whatever he said was going to be done because of who he was. They already saw him turn water into wine. They saw him heal severe sickness. They watched him forgive sins. They witnessed him. They saw him cast out stubborn demons. They also heard of him telling a woman about her five different husbands and some dude she was living with. And they also witnessed unclean spirits come to Jesus and declare that he is the son of God. In Mark 3 and 11, it says, And the unclean spirit, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. Amen. That's something when your enemy will declare who God is before we will. Jesus was very clear in his instructions from Mark, 3 and 35, Mark 4 and 35, when he said, Let us cross over to the other side. He was clear, unequivocally. He said what he meant and meant what he said. So we have to get to the point that if Jesus is going in a certain direction, no matter what comes along the way, he's going to get to where he wants to be. 
we have to get to the point that when we hear clearly from the word of God, that whatever God said, if we walk in it by faith and obedience, it will come to pass. We don't worry about how the cross winds blow. We don't worry about how the waves come at us. We don't worry about how the enemy tries to stop us, but because God has given us an assignment, because God has put his word in motion, all we have to do is walk by faith and watch it happen. All the disciples had to do was just go with Jesus and don't worry. But as we saw, they did the total opposite. The first thing, two things happened. One, a storm blew in. Mark 4 and 37. It says, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beaten to the ship so that it was now full. There's a storm. There's this impediment. There's something that came to them after Jesus gave a word that's trying to impede their progress. Something that's been sent to keep them from reaching their destination. Threatening to do harm or even take them out. One thing we have to realize is that Jesus is never threatened by our storms. I think we, we, let's, 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 let's reconcile right now that Jesus is not afraid of what you're going through. Jesus is not concerned by your struggles. He loves you and he feels the, our infirmities, but he himself, as far as him getting done and accomplished what he says, it's immaterial to what he wants to do. As a matter of fact, it's of no consequence. He's not scared of the devil. As a matter of fact, who created whom? Come on, let, let, let's be real about it. Who created whom? I remember reading somewhere where it says, in the beginning was God and the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I don't remember anything where it said there was God, the Word, and Satan was somewhere around. No. Satan is a created being. And who is the creator of all creation? God. So why would God ever fear anything that he gave power to? Why would God ever fear anything that he gave a purpose to? Why would God ever fear anything that he has the right to take power from? See, a lot of times we give too much power to the enemy. We give too much power to Satan. And it's not so much that Satan is deceiving us, but we're deceiving ourselves with the struggle of the situation. But when we look past the struggle of the situation and get to the power of the sanctifier, get to the power of the Lord Jesus, get to the power of the God of all creation, then when we look at what's going on, then when we look at Satan's activity, then when we look at the demons and their forces, we can tell them, get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we have what Jesus has. So if Jesus now has every principality and power under his feet, that you need to start looking underneath your shoes. You need to start checking your socks because there's some enemies that you're walking on, but you don't even realize it, that there's a devil that's trying to stop you. But if you walk by faith, there you go right on his head. If you walk by faith, you might have to step on his toes. If you walk by faith, you may even crush his fingers, but he can't stop you.
the second thing that happened. They fo- oh, thank you, thank you. They found Jesus and started whining and complaining. Mark 4 and 38. And he was in the hinder parts of the ship, asleep on the pillow. Just read that one day and just laugh, all right? They're going through upstairs. Jesus downstairs knocked out intentionally because it said he was asleep on a pillow. So it's not like sleep just overcame him and he fell out wherever. Jesus created a nice little pallet. <laughs> Jesus created a nice little soft spot. See, while we're upstairs struggling, Jesus is somewhere getting comfortable because he's not worried about what's happening. All he knows is that he said what he said and we need to follow that. But it says, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Instead of whining and complaining, they should have been worshiping and praising. The biggest advantage we have when going through the storms of our lives is being able to find Jesus in the midst of it. We keep looking for reasons why we can't get through when we need to look for the reason why we can't get through. <laughs> See, we, told, we look at our limitations, but we need to look at the limitless God. We need to find Jesus in the midst of everything that we're going through. And if what you're going through, you can't find Jesus, then you need to make an about face and go find him. Stop chasing that thing that's causing you problems if you don't see Jesus in the midst because it's probably not for you. We put ourselves through things sometimes and God's not in it. Sometimes we go through tests, troubles, trials, tribulations, and stress when Jesus is standing over there on the calm waters. Right? But if you can see Jesus in the midst of your troubles, then go have a seat with Jesus. Instead of whining and complaining, they should have ran down there and found another pillow and laid right next to Jesus. Anybody here that ever had children over your house at night, whether they're your kids or your niece or nephew, when the storm comes through the house and the lightning and the thunder crashes, a kid will come, they won't stay in their room and cry. The smart ones will get them to come jump in the bed with you. Right? Okay, I'm the only one with children. Okay, all right, I get it, I get it, I get it. It's just me, Keisha, just me and you, we don't want kids. But look what happened. In the midst of their whining and complaining, they totally forgot who Jesus was. Mark 4 and 41, it says, And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Didn't you just see him raise the dead? Didn't you just see him cause you to be healed when you had a death sentence on your life? Didn't you see him just save your soul and you got the nerve to question who is this man that can stop my problems? Who is this man that can bring me out of my troubles? When we start whining and complaining, I am not, I am not insensitive to the struggle. I'm not insensitive to the hardship, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that things aren't hard. I'm not saying that you won't cry. I'm not saying that you won't have time of despair. But what I am saying is that when you start crying, know that Jesus will wipe every tear. Just know that when you're in despair, know that Jesus is the one who's the lifter of your head. Just know that when you go through these things, just know that Jesus says he'll walk with you and he'll talk with you and he'll tell you that you are his own.
And I heard this one time before, I think I shared this a long time ago, but I heard a preacher say that when we spend time complaining, it's like giving praise to the devil. Now, I'm not talking about counting the costs. I'm not talking about creating a strategy. I'm not talking about making a battle plan because you have to look at what you're facing in order to know how to engage, right? But once you go through your planning stages, we don't give any more credence to what you're facing. We don't give any more credence to the problems, right? Because now that you created the strategy and Jesus is your strategy, you can move forward with victory. Point number two, when you know who Jesus is, the first one, you know his purpose. His purpose for us originally is salvation and security. Luke 14, 18 and 19, excuse me, Luke 4, 18 and 19. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim li liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. When Jesus died on the cross, he saved, he put in motion salvation for all of our souls, right? When he died on the cross, when he went down into the grave and then got up, he rose up with all power over all principalities and powers, right? When we die with Christ, when we give our lives and die with Christ, and we go down in death to the flesh, we then get up, not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. We rise with that same victory. You don't have to be bound to the devil. You don't have to be down to the principalities. You don't have to be bound to all of these things. So Jesus, he died. It was for our salvation. But Jesus, he not only died for the salvation of our souls, but for the health of our souls in times of trouble. Now, he didn't cancel trouble out. He just canceled the effect of trouble out of our lives. Trouble's still in the air, but it won't have to affect us the way that it does. There's still destruction, sickness, hell in the air, but it doesn't have to affect our souls the way that it does. Right? Because we have to remember who he is. Remember, when God saved us, he put his name on us. He put his word on us. And somewhere I read that God magnifies his word above his name. So if you got the word of God living in you, when you're walking in the purpose of the word of God, you have a guarantee that his word will have success in your life. He cares about the health of our countenance, the health of our souls. We also know when we know who Jesus is, we know his success. John 14 and 12, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go unto my Father. Jesus is not going to leave this walk to us on our own. 
He knows we can't make it without him. But what did he do? He gave us the power on earth and then goes to heaven to reassure it. He gives us power on earth. I leave you. I'm sending a keeper, the most powerful being. I'm sending the keeper to walk with you, but I'm going to still go pray for you. I'll be right back. See, Jesus is not willing to let us handle this by ourselves because he knows we'll drop the ball. But he secures our success by going to pray on our behalf. That's why it says, greater work shall you do. Not that anything we'll do will be better than what he did, but because there'll be more of us doing it, there'll be a lot more works getting done. Because he's not just praying for me. He's not just praying for you, but he's praying for every believer who puts their faith in him that they will be successful at being obedient to me in this present day and world. Amen. Let's look at Philippians 4 and 13. It says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We have to give up our own strength. We have to give up our own strength. We, for, we hold on to us trying to do it because we forget who we're serving. We forget who the God of all creation is. Not that we forget that he exists, but sometimes we forget that he's in the midst of what we're going through. Sometimes we forget that he's not allowing us to lay on our sickbed by ourselves. Sometimes we forget that he's not allowing us to go through our financial issues by ourselves. Because if you think about it, or for all your financial issues, we're still putting on some extra weight. For all the financial issues we say we have, none of us have missed a meal. All of your bills have been paid at some point in time. Even if they came to repo the car, God blessed it where another car came up. Right? Right? He's not allowing us to go through these things by ourselves, but we have to give up our own strength and our own two-by-four understanding and just trust in him in all our ways. And he will direct our paths. We not only know his purpose, but we know his position. His position is by his father's side praying. Romans 8 and 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. S.D. Gordon, a theologian, he says of Jesus' life, he said, Jesus, his life he lived, for he had 30 years of living, three years of serving, one tremendous act of dying, and 2,000 plus years of praying. Jesus is praying for you. As a matter of fact, touch yourself and say, Jesus prayed for me. He had me on his mind. He took the time and prayed for me. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad he prayed. I'm so glad he prayed. I'm so glad he prayed. Pray for me. Don't let your dark past cast a shadow over the present, which will blind you to your bright future in Christ. People will always try to use what you used to be to keep you from moving forward. No matter how 
long the time was from the last time you did it at the most inopportune time when you're trying to help someone, someone will talk about what you used to do. Someone will talk about who you used to be. Yeah, but you, you remember you used to do that. Yeah, 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 you said that 75 years ago. Yeah, yeah, you did that at some other point in time. But that's when we have, don't fight against what you used to be. Don't hide from it. Just know that who you are now in Christ. Right? When they start talking about what you used to be, that's when you tell them, yeah, but Jesus prayed for that. Yeah, you used to be a whoremonger. Yeah, you're right, but Jesus prayed for that. Yeah, you used to climb in and out of windows. Yeah, but you know what? Jesus prayed for that. Yeah, you used to be a drug dealer, but guess what? Jesus prayed for that. Yeah, you used to be chasing all these women, but guess what? Jesus prayed for that. You used to be a robber, but, yep, but Jesus prayed for that. You used to be a thief, yep, but Jesus prayed for that. Yeah, you used to be a sinner, yep, but Jesus prayed for that. You were wretch undone, but you know what? Jesus prayed for that. You were seeking deacon sin, yep, but Jesus prayed for that. You right. I was all those things, but Jesus prayed for that. Give God a praise. We also know his, hold on, I'm sorry, I got to go back. I got to go back. Daryl, give me five more minutes. I'm sorry, Daryl. But his position, I was going to leave it alone, but I'm sorry. His position, we said, is by his father praying, right? And the scripture we read, the scripture we read said that he was on the right hand of the Father. In other scriptures, we hear that he's on the right hand, but they give another description of what he's doing on the right hand. It said he's seated. When you look at a lot of the ancient world, the king in his throne room, where he made decisions, there was one seat. Because it was a seat of power. It was a seat of, of, of determination. It was a seat of, of making things happen, that what he was about to say was going to be cast over the whole, his whole area, and no one can change it. Now, he had his, 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 uh, his, his captain of the guard would probably be on his left hand. That was his, his army, his, his military person. His royal vizier or his, his counselor might be standing on the right hand. His wife could have a seat somewhere, but she was seated somewhere else. But everybody, for the most part, was standing. This tells us that Jesus is not only on his right hand, the right hand of power and counsel, but Jesus is seated. The only one that can seat in the king's throne room is the king. So when you got the king praying to the king on your behalf, how do you expect that prayer not to get answered? How do you expect that prayer to go unheard? Jesus is talking to himself about you. I know he's a wretch, but you got to do something for him. It's all right, I heard your word, I'll do it for him. You got to make a way for that boy. I died for him. You know what, I saw your blood when you did it, I'll make a way for him. You've got to open doors for that girl. She needs a new job. You know what, because you're talking to me, I'm opening the door for him. Jesus is praying to himself on your behalf. Don't you dare think that it won't happen. God is talking to himself and he's making a way for you. We also know his purpose. Everything is under him. Ephesians 1, 20 through 22, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and set him at his own right hand. There it is. Set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, spiritual places. Jesus is king over the spiritual world. He has full authority over the spiritual world. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to us, the church. Jesus is sitting in power, but his feet is on the head of our problems. His feet are ready to crush whatever it is that you're going through if we trust in him. We've, what we view as a crushing situation, Jesus' feet are crushing that situation for those who will trust and believe. We can't give in to our problems. We can't let them cause us to forget whom we serve. Ask somebody, do you know who he is? He is our daily bread. John 6 and 51 says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. He is far beyond this world. John 8 and 23. And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. He is the light of our darkness. John 8 and 12. Then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He is the beginning. John 8 and 58. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He is the provider. John 10 and 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He's our protector. John 10 and 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. He is the giver of life. John 11 and 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. He is the only way. John 14 and 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the sustainer of our lives. John 15 and 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. He is the one and only, Isaiah 44 and 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. He is in control, Revelations 1 and 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He is our redeemer, Isaiah 49 and 26. I will feed those who oppress you with their own flesh and they shall be drunk with their own blood and with sweet wine. All flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am your savior and your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. Tell someone I know who he is. And there's a promise attached to all believers. When we decide that we know who he is, far beyond what we're going through. When we know who he is, far beyond what we can see or perceive, we get a promise. There's a promise God gives us, and it's in Hebrews 11 and 6. It says, but without faith, 
it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. Not that he can do it. Not that he's going to do it for me. Not that he's already prepared a way. But I just need to know that he is. And that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. We must walk by faith trusting he is. And who he is is what we need for our situation. If we're sick, he's a healer. If we're lost, he is the way maker. If we're down, he is the lifter of our heads. If we're broken, he is the potter. If we're overwhelmed, he is the rock that's higher than we are. If our minds are scattered, he is the mind regulator. If we're alone and abandoned, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We can't fold or throw in the towel just because the enemy attacks us. 1 John 4 and 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. But let's go back to, let's go back to Hebrews 11 and 6, and we're done. It not only says that without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Right? So we know that we have to come to God and declare that he is is in front of what is, right? He is in front of what is. But that's not the promise. <laughs> that's not the promise. The promise is that second part. It says, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Only people to get a reward are people who have achieved and finished a race or project. Someone who has successfully completed a task or an endeavor. It doesn't say that we have to do that. Because it says it's a reward of them that diligently, diligently. In order to be diligent at something is to never actually obtain it or apprehend it. Because if you obtain and complete what you're diligently seeking means you found it. So you're not seeking anymore. Diligent, diligent means that you keep going over and over. That doesn't make a difference how many times you get knocked down, but you keep going over and over. It doesn't make a difference how many times the enemy comes to stop you, but you keep going over and over. It doesn't make a difference how many times the doctors tell you you're not going to make it, but you keep going over and over. It doesn't make a difference how many times you have to stumble and fall. You keep going over and over. That even if you get knocked down, you're going to crawl to see your God. Even if you can't crawl, you're going to roll to see your God. Even if you can't roll, you're going to wiggle to see your God because you know that he is and that he is a rewarder, that he'll give you what you're looking for. He'll give you what you need. He'll give you what you're asking for. Even if you didn't complete your task, even if you weren't holy all day, even if you weren't righteous all day, but you kept coming back for more. You said that you're not going to let the devil stop you. You said you're not going to let the enemy stop you. You said you're not going to let the pain stop you, but you're going to keep trusting God. Daily shall I walk with thee. You're going to keep walking with God. You're going to tell God that we walk together. 
God, I know you walk with me, and I know you talk with me, and that you're going to tell me your own. As a matter of fact, you're going to tell God, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff will comfort me, that you will lead me to green pastures. You'll lead me beside the still waters, that you'll cause me to set down and settle pastures. But even more so than that, that you'll prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy that even where my enemy's cutting up even where my enemy's acting up even where my enemy's going crazy you're going to pay the place for me to be nourished you're going to provide a place for me to be fed you're going to provide a place for me to be in, in, have fellowship because you are with me and then when i get up and wipe my mouth and start walking again you said that goodness and mercy gonna follow me <laughs> No matter where I run, goodness and mercy's following. If I'm going to the valley of shadow of death, goodness and mercy's following. If I have to go to the hospital, goodness and mercy's following. Give God a praise because you know who he is. Come on, don't cheat God on this one. Don't cheat God on this one. Don't cheat God on this one. Don't cheat him on this one. You've seen him do too much. You've seen him guard too much. You've seen him deliver too much. You've seen him heal you too much. You've seen him do for others too much. Give God a praise. Come on, give it to him, give it to him. sick bed and you felt that presence that was God he made your bed an altar he made that room a cathedral he put his ministering angels around you and kept you till this far other people have died with what you suffered through other people have lost their mind going through what you've gone through other people have lost their lives going through what you're going through other people have lost family going through what you're going through. But God said that you're going to walk on, that you're going to move forward, that you're going to live through this, that you will live and see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Give God a praise. <laughs> 